All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub and affiliated with Big Cat Country. Our special guest today is actually from Big Cat Country, and that is Ryan Day, the managing editor. Ryan, how are you today? Doing good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. We're doing good. We're excited to have you on. Uh, One thing that we definitely have to ask you right off the bat, uh, at least something I'm curious about, uh, the Twitter handle of yours, Ryan Eats Cake as well as your bio in which you describe how an astronaut retweeted you. Um, which astronaut was that and why did he retweet you? And why do you seem to have uh, such a interest in cake? Well, I think for anyone who's ever eaten cake uh, would understand why I would have an affinity for it. Um, no, I mean, so, so I used to work for a nonprofit and really I started Twitter when I was working with that nonprofit. And part of the handle, part of my Twitter handle was that nonprofit Um it's called Love 146. We fought child trafficking uh, in Southeast Asia, United States, Eastern Europe. And so my, my handle for a long time was Ryan, you know, at Ryan Love 146. But then when I left I, and I came to Tallahassee, I was like, well, I, I probably shouldn't have that in my handle any longer. Um, so I was like, what, what am I going to do that? I, what handle can I have that won't, you know, need me getting numbers in there? I hate Twitter handles with numbers in them. Um and so I was like, Ryan BCC, now that's a little pretentious. Um, not pretentious because if Alfie's listening, it's not pretentious that he has it. He's the managing editor. And I was just like an underling. I was like, I don't want to have BCC in my name if I'm not that much a part of it. So I was like, does anyone have Ryan Eats Cake? I just thought of cake. I'd had cake the night before. And I was like, that'll be my new Twitter handle. And it it hit. So and in terms of the astronaut, so... At the time, in like 2012 or so, there was uh, an astronaut by the name of Commander Hadfield. He was on the International Space Station, and he was he was on Twitter. He was, you know, look him up, Commander Hadfield, H-A-D-F-I-E-L-D. And he would do these like Q&A sessions, these late night Q&A sessions. And I had a daughter, so I was up all night. And he'd be, you know, up at 3 a.m. Eastern because he's in space. He doesn't have a time zone. And he was doing a Q&A session and no one was asking him anything. And I asked him, um, do you do you ever drink recycled pee <laughs> in the space station? And he said, you know, if you think about it, we're all kind of drinking recycled pee. Um, you know, dinosaurs were around for millions of years and it gets soaked up by the atmosphere and then it rains. And then, you know, all that happens. And I was like, oh, my God, this astronaut's right. But he retweeted he retweeted my question and and my response to him. So I, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And um, speaking of dinosaurs, by the way, Jurassic World, Lost Kingdom, trailer's out tomorrow. So everybody get excited. I'm super pumped about that. But that is, I don't know if you guys like Jurassic Park or not. But I just thought I'd throw that out there real quick. I just saw the preview on Facebook like 10 minutes ago. Derek, what yours? Uh, yours is the D Rock, isn't that? Isn't that your Twitter handle? Yeah, man. You know, it's I just whatever came to mind. I was trying to sound cool. I don't take it to no. I don't not trying to sound cool. I just spelt it T H A because I figured no one else did, and I could easily find it without trying to you know sit there and search for ten minutes. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought about changing it, but eh, yeah, we'll see. I did mine after the the whole uh, controversy with the abbreviation for Jacksonville on this on the television broadcast. How people would get upset when they had the J A C as opposed to the J A X. So Jack's not Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so I thought that was pretty clever. But man, okay. So hold on a minute before we get into some uh, Seahawk talk, a little bit of Seahawk talk and so forth. Any of you guys seen the whole uh, the whole wave thing? 
the uh, the 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 controversy of people just yeah. hating on the guy who <laughs> kept trying to start the way. Yeah. Okay, man. Soccer teams go zero and twelve, and they score a goal and they start a wave. We're the Jags. We're eight and four. If the man wants to do the wave, let him do the wave. Well, okay. <laughs> here's the thing, and I'll give I'll give because I know Ryan was kind of chatting with us a little bit uh, beforehand. So at the game Sunday, um, there's a guy in the south end zone, and I sit in section two hundred three, so I'm I'm not in the end zone, but I'm kind of a couple sections over where I can see this guy directly. And I generally enjoy the wave; it's fun. My daughter comes to the games with me; she enjoys the wave. But to me, if you start the wave too early and the game's still in question, that that is a little questionable, especially when you're getting my kid all involved with it and I'm wanting her to concentrate on the game. So he was starting the wave at like, I think, 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter of the last game. I understand we were playing pretty well, but that still seems a little early. Um, So pro wave, but timing is important in that too. So Ryan, what do you think about that? Yeah, there's an an etiquette about the wave. I think it's a hot dogging. It's a it's a move. It's a move when you're up by a couple of scores, um, and it's and it's something you definitely don't do, you know, prior to to halftime, which it sounds like this guy did. You do it late in the game. You do it just as a way to to sort of tease the other team and to to kind of you know bow out uh, as you're leaving. So um, I think trying to start the wave artificially is probably a probably a, a bad move and I can see why people would be frustrated. But then again, I mean, Jaguars fans are notorious. Like I feel like Jaguars fans should be the most graceful <laughs> of people trying to start like random traditions or being out of etiquette. Like we slap bags of fireball whiskey. We like run around in circles and chug beer. We jump in pools full of, of mayonnaise. Um, I, I, to me, it's like if someone wants to do the wave, it's like, okay, well, okay, loser, you know, but it, it's for me, Jaguars fans should, should kind of feel like, okay, different strokes, you know, for different folks. But, but for me, the wave is, is, is etiquette wise. It's a, it's a thing you do late in the game and it's not something you try and do every five minutes. It's a, it's a one-time event when you're up by two or three scores. I mean, I guess that was my biggest thing. And, and I highly doubt this guy listens to this podcast and we're spending probably way too much time on this, but if he does, this isn't meant to be personal or anything, but when it doesn't work out, you know, you've gone a couple times and nobody's, you know, maybe it makes two sections over and it stops. Let's just go ahead and stop. Like, let's not try to turn it the other direction or, or get crazy at that point your focus is a little too much on that versus the game but uh but anyway it's fine it's not a big deal so ryan a little bit of background on yourself because i mean you're one of the 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 big folks on twitter that a lot of people follow and i've always enjoyed your sense of humor as well and and just following your individual account and as far as i know you you pretty much run the uh, big cat country twitter handle as well right i do um uh, I think most people know that by now i think it was when i started doing it it took about three days for people to figure out oh that's that's ryan doing those tweets. Um, cause they're a lot worse than they used to be last week. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, what it was, was, uh, I got a hold of kind of a, a, a BCC side account that doesn't exist anymore called BCC game day. And, um, and I think the 50 days or like 25 days leading up to the season, I was posting like random made up facts about the Jaguars. So I was like, Oh, you know, 24 days, um, until kickoff, um, you know, uh, uh, Chris Doring was, um, you know, drafted in the sixth round, um, and then made some sort of like Gators joke or, or Matt Jones 
Um, you know, on this day in Jaguars history, Matt Jones was arrested for possession of a firearm or something like that. And, um, and just, just random made up jokes. They weren't very funny, but Alfie started seeing that this BCC side account was tweeting again. And he was like, who's doing this? And he DM me and he was like, Hey, do you want to run BCC social? And I was like, yeah, sure. Does it pay? And he's like, yeah, a little bit. So I filled out a contract and, um, and Alfie was like, I hate running social media. Um, I, I, I hate interacting with these people on here. Do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I don't like doing it either, but, um, if you want to pay me a little bit to do it, I'd, I'd certainly, I'd certainly, uh, do that as well. So I've been doing that since about, I think 2013. I think when we hired Gus Bradley, um, that's about when I started, um, with BCC. So, um, and it's been really fun. I have learned, I, I still don't know a lot about football, um, but I knew a lot less then. And, um, I think the, the biggest thing is it's forced me to, um, kind of hear differing opinions than myself. Like I'll put something out there and, or I'll put an article out there or an opinion or like a, a rapid reaction to something that's happening in the game. And I'll get, you know, 10 or 15 tweets telling me why I'm wrong. And, um, that kind of wears on you it to some degree, but it, in another respect, it forces you to say, well, you know, was I wrong? Was puzzle listening actually not supposed to be there? Did, you know, joke will actually make a good block instead of a bad play on, on that down. So, um, r- running the BCC account's been fun. It's been, it's been cool to be able to interact with national people, uh, Jaguars players and stuff like that. And, um, it's been a fun way, um, to, to kind of keep up with the team, especially when I was living in Connecticut for the first couple of years, I did it. You know, I was going to say, Ryan, I call those guys uh, Twitter finger tough guys. You know, the ones that you're like, oh, you're wrong. Da, da, da. It really bothers me sometimes because I'll sit there and say, so we really knew what the call was. Okay. It, or yeah, you played like, you know, two years of varsity football in high school, whatever it could be. So I, I can't stand that. It makes me so mad when I see, you know, it, regardless who's posting, if, you know, people just all out, oh, you're wrong. He should have been here because it was cover six. And I'm like, you don't know that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, w- I will say, I will, I will say though, for, for every kind of like random egg account who tweets at me, um, you know, blasting me or something like that, there's like three or four other people who, you know, will not say it in the nicest way, but they'll be like, you know, you're an idiot. Like that's wrong. Um, and, and what's great, what I learned really quickly about running the BCC account is that Jaguars fans are actually a lot more knowledgeable, um, about a ton of different things than, um, other fan bases. Like I talk with other social media managers, uh, at SB nation and I talk with them about what are your interactions like on Facebook and, and on Twitter, especially. And they're like, we actually like watching your interactions with Jaguars fans. We like interacting with Jaguars fans ourselves because Jaguars fans have kind of shown themselves to be more passionate than their own fan base or more knowledgeable about sometimes their own, you know, their own team um, than, than the fans that are in that city. So um, I, I don't mind. I mean, and, and quite honestly, most of the time that I get, that I get flack for tweeting something stupid, I look back five minutes later, I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have tweeted that or yeah, that, you know, that was, that was wrong. What do you attribute that to? Why do you think it is that the Jags fans generally are, are considered a little bit more knowledgeable or at least above the uh, the benchmark than, than other fan bases out there? Well, I think it comes down to the fact that for most of pretty, pretty much the entire time that Twitter's been around, the Jaguars have been awful. Um, Twitter, Twitter really got going, 
you know, 2008, 2009. Um, and our last winning season was 2007. So um, you have a, a team that you're, you're not following this team unless you actually really like football and you actually really like the Jaguars. And most likely you're, you're from Jacksonville. And so that kind of forces that forces away sort of the, the casual fan or the bandwagon fan that say like Cowboys, you know, Twitter would have or, or, um, you know, Patriots Twitter would have um, because we have the people who have stuck around for five, six, seven years on Twitter um, tweeting about a team that can't get better than five and 11. Um, but they're, you know, they're not just sitting there looking at the box score saying, okay, we, you know, we won our 12th game uh, of the year. Uh, when you're losing so many games in a year, you have to find enjoyment watching games in other ways. And so you start watching individual players and you, you start to learn how, um, a good offensive lineman is going to end up at the, you know, at the end of the day, or, um, you start to say, well, it doesn't matter that this wide receiver only had three receptions. Let's look at how many targets they had. Let's look at what those targets looked like. Did the quarterback deliver? Did they have good yards after the catch? Like how was their route running? So I, I, I would attribute the Jaguars bad performance on the field to, to sort of, um, kind of, uh, uh, uh winnowing away all those casual fans. Yeah. It's, uh, it definitely gave us a lot of time <laughs> to <laughs> to be able to uh, recollect and get get that knowledge. Um, and, and Derek, with that theory, I guess the Cleveland fans are probably smart as hell, right? Uh, man, they probably wrote the book on. <laughs> they probably wrote the book on plays. So switching gears here, Baloney North North Florida Food Bank. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I mean, I think I said this yesterday, but I I just think that the National Hot Dog and and sausage council shipping us logs of bologna to support our playoff pushes. It's the most Jaguars thing um, that I've seen in a long time. And I just think it's, it's perfectly Jacksonville for, for that to kind of be the feather in our cap <laughs> um, at the, at the end of, at the end of our best season in, in years. Um, I, 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 so I can't, I come from a marketing background a nonprofit marketing background, but I've also done like for profit marketing and public relations and stuff. So I, I appreciate when, some random group will just sort of go out there on a limb and say, let's just try this out. Let's see if it kind of catches. And so that's what they did. They, they heard that our coach loves bologna sandwiches and I can't, I can't blame them again, different strokes for, for different folks. And if he likes eating bologna sandwiches and sitting in a dark kitchen by himself after games, then you know what? We're eight and four. I don't care if the guy's eating grass and like drinking gasoline. Um, if you go eight and four with Blake Bortles, you can do whatever you want. But I, I just, I, I like that, that someone was willing to kind of go out there and say, let's just ship him a bunch of bologna and like, see if that gets us any PR. I, I mean, I just, I think it's, I mean, I really didn't know about this until a couple hours ago. I don't know how I missed it, but I mean, I'd heard about Marone uh, eating bologna sandwiches and, and the, the stuff that you'd mentioned uh, sitting in the dark and I think petting his, his dog or something is one of the comments he had made after after one of the games but uh, I like it I don't know I feel like it it's just the the kind of good vibe stuff that's been going on with the team winning 
and back again to getting a little bit more uh, national attention because I'm sure this is something, if it hasn't already been covered, I'm sure it's something as kind of a feel-good story that's been covered by ESPN or Fox or whomever. So it's it's entertaining. I, I can't say that I'm a, a fan of bologna. I don't think my wife would allow that into the house. So we probably, I probably haven't eaten bologna since I was a little kid. Um, but but uh, it's but it's but it's boar's head bologna. Oh, it's boar's head yeah. bologna. It's not just oh, okay. not. Just, it's not just the stuff at uh at the local grocery store that's ninety nine cents with the red uh with the red thing around it. <laughs> the okay. red thing around <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, the red thing around it. <laughs> that's what All I right. think about when I hear baloney. It, and it's enough to apparently feed three hundred people. Okay. Wow. Huh. It's a lot of baloney. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Boar's Head. That's the that's the premium stuff. That's when you're getting the public sub, and they're like, you know, do you want Boar's Head or do you want this just basic uh, Publix uh, meat? And I always just opt for the Publix meat personally. I mean, I feel like that's okay. But to the game uh, coming up on Sunday, Rhino Blennis had an article up about Russell Wilson. Uh, and again, we've had Ryan on before. Love that guy. Very very sharp. Um, talking about um, Seattle in terms of uh, Russell Wilson, who I think is one guy when we recorded after the game last week, especially since we were recording while Sunday night football was on and we saw him running all over the field uh, and how important it's going to be uh, in the game coming up, you know, as far as focusing on him, but he had a stat in there. Seattle's starting quarterback has accounted for 29 of the 30 offensive touchdowns this season. So it's essentially 97% of all touchdowns scored. So Ryan, I'll ask you, is stopping Russell Wilson essentially the key to a victory on Sunday versus the Seahawks? Well, I mean, when you have a player on the opposing team, who's the leading passer and the leading rusher, um, yeah, that, that's the guy, that's the guy you key in on. I mean, Seattle's running backs, I think the top guy has like 200 something yards and Russell has double that. So, um, no, no I mean, ru- ru- yeah, Russell Wilson's the key. Um, don't let anyone tell you any differently. Um, you stop Russell, you, you know, you stop the Seahawks offense. Derek, do you think that our, uh, you know, cause we've obviously had a pretty good, uh, reputation this year for being able to, to attack the quarterback and chase those guys down. And one of the things I, I discussed in the last episode is, you know, with Brissett, he's a little bit more of a lumbering guy. He's not as quick on his feet. Uh, so even though he was able to get out of the pocket a few times and, and scramble a little bit, a little bit, for the most part, we were able to keep him contained. Wilson's a different story, though. I mean, I can't say that that I'm, a, a like, again, a huge X's and O's guy and can break down why he is effective. But just in that last game on Sunday Night Football, you can see the I mean, he controlled their offense, essentially. I mean, there was everything they did was dictated by him running around outside the pocket and moving around the field. So number one defense in the league, obviously we have a leg up in that area, but with our pass rushers and our linebackers, do you think we, we can still keep him contained in this game? We can. It's just a matter of being smart, not falling for the play action, not uh, you know understanding when his you know sprint outs or you know uh, rollouts are designed versus when they're, uh, you know, him on the fly, just making it up. Uh, I, I will say he, he's not, he's not, you know, Brissett, you know, we're talking, com- it's a complete 180. He's a, Russell Wilson's a different player, man. Um, and you can hit him 10 times and he will get back up um, every time and not be f- phased at all. So now I will say this, I think this is the best secondary he's going to face. So, you know, usually when, the quarterback rolls out, the coverage in the back end breaks down. So then that's why you get your easy lobs for your touchdowns, what they, they get. And plus, you know, Russell Wilson's got a strong arm. You know, he's short, but he's got a strong arm. So, um, and Seattle's offensive line, although they're not that great, they got Jokel on there, 
but <laughs> um, yeah, I know I, I completely forgot about him actually, and I saw him in the little video starting lineups they had in that last game. Yeah, so it, it just depends on you know being smart, staying home. Like I said uh, a couple of days ago, you know they're going to try and get the young defense to go one way, and then uh, th- he'll go the other. The one thing I do like though is the size and length on our defensive line versus Russell Wilson's five foot ten frame. They list him at six feet five eleven, I think, but he's not an inch over five ten. One other thing I, I'd, I'd like for you to talk about because I I haven't seen a lot of Seahawks games. I think the most of you know any complete game I saw was Seahawks Falcons. Um, what was that last week or, or the week before on uh, on Monday night and. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to hear if you because I didn't see. I haven't seen a lot of Jimmy Graham, and I know that he, you know, Jimmy Russell Wilson to Jimmy Graham. Um, it's it's going to be a red zone problem for us, and so I'd like to kind of hear if how you've seen. Have you seen any teams uh, succeed in kind of preventing Graham from getting targets in the red zone or from getting you know touches in the red zone? You know the Graham is just. I mean, the dude is a monster. Uh, as far as just eating, being able to eat up space, getting down, and especially inside the red zone, like you said. And uh, what Seattle tries to do is dictate coverage by putting him in favorable spots, whether if it's inside. Uh, one thing they like to do, and you know, I, I, I try never to get like too football terminology, but they like to do something called stem. It's where they stem the line, put him down, put somebody next to him, like another tight end. So it's like a two receiver, two tight end set. And then they'll roll uh, Russell Wilson out and he'll run like a corner route. Kind of like what Mercedes did for us the last few weeks. And, and let's say if Telvin's not in there and pauses in there and they see that, Oh, they're going to switch to that and exploit that in two seconds. Um, Nothing pauses the one of the leaders and one of the heart and souls of our team, but, I mean, they're going to have to double them. I wouldn't be surprised if they even on situations like that where they have two receivers and just two tight ends, if the Jags don't stay in nickel and just have three corners out there and then whatever corners on that side covers him as opposed to the linebacker. Jimmy Graham, too. I mean, he was, if I can recall, and I'm the same as, as you, Ryan, I haven't really watched too many Seahawks games, but I'll, I'll still follow the coverage and just look at the stats and everything. And I think he was... Uh, maybe you'd know Derek. He was struggling at the beginning of the season, but as far as I know, I mean, he scored touchdowns like crazy in the last uh, six or seven weeks. So, I mean, as far as a red zone target, uh, that's a that's certainly going to be a guy that we're going to have to put a lot of emphasis on, just like a any receiver. Well, historically, since he's been in Seattle, he's gotten off the slow starts. Him and Russell Wilson have historically gotten off the slow starts. Not like when he was in New Orleans, where Drew Brees was just giving it to him like every time they got down there. Right. Um, and the problem is, you know, Seattle can't run the ball. We can definitely beat them, um, especially with the fact of our secondary being so good and our defensive line being so, you know, good and athletic. Uh, but it, it's not going to be very easy. And, and the reason why is just Russell Wilson is just a gamer, man. He doesn't quit. He will not stop. You almost have to, like, basically, I never would wish this on someone, but you almost have to, like, knock him out or hurt him. Because he won't, he won't quit. Ryan, for this game, do you think there's a lot of meaning uh, for a victory, or how important a victory would be for the organization to kind of 
solidify the restart uh, for the organization with Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin at the helm? I mean, how important is this game? Not not just from a national media coverage perspective, because obviously if we win, that that's going to get us tons and tons of hype. But just that key game, that key victory that really, really shows that we've turned a corner. Yeah, I, I don't... I think that this would be a lot different if, say, we were, you know, two or three years down the road of where I think the team's trajectory is going. Um, Because this is such a shocking season, I think if, you know, if we were to lose, if the final score is like 31-26 Seahawks, um, I don't don't think there's going to be a lot of repercussions from that. And I think if, you know, if it's 31-26 Jaguars, I think it's, I think there's going to be a lot of repercussions for the Seahawks because then it's like, you know, Hey, you, yeah, you went to Jacksonville, you, you know, it's an East coast trip, but you lost, you know, you lost to the Jaguars. Like really? And, um, I, I just think because it's, it's so early in that turnaround that, um, you're not going to see a lot of bad with a loss, but you're going to see a lot of good with a win. Now that said, it also depends on how that win or loss turns out. If it's something like 30 to 13 um, or like 31 to you know eight, 17 or something like that, where it's at least two scores, that I think is going to have, um, uh, uh, you know, that's going to echo a little bit more negativity. But I think that a win is going to be very exciting and it's going to get the national media even more in our corner. I think a close loss is not really going to change the conversation with us at all. It's still going to be something where it's like, well, the Jaguars are headed into the playoffs. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, but I think a, I think a loss by, um, you know, 10 or more points is going to be something that I think that's going to be the only thing that that really starts to develop a new conversation. Right. What do you think, Derek? You know, um, you know, Ryan kind of, he hits it head on, you know, just depending upon how close the game, whether it is, whether we can pull out the W or uh, if it's close, uh, hopefully we don't get blown out. Um, that would, <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we don't get blown out, but that, you know, that takes a lot of wind out of our sail. But me personally, I don't think we will. I think this is what they've been waiting for. You know, the players have been screaming for a primetime game. They've been looking for a primetime opponent. They're probably sick and tired of people hearing, oh, yeah, look, you play the NFC West and you can't beat anybody. You know, they're right. probably they're probably sick of that, too. You're probably right. Yeah, there probably is a lot of hype with the especially the defensive players. You know, Jalen Ramsey specifically was upset that they didn't flex this game to, you know, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we, everybody's been focusing on. Russell Wilson versus the uh, defense, you know, because he's really good and our defense is best in the league. Um, but the offense, I- I'm interested to see how we we match up with them, not because uh, I think we can just stand toe-to-toe with them, just I want to see how creative our coaching staff is going to get. And, um, you know, Bortles being tough too, because Bortles is tough, you know, although people have really r- ridden him these last few years as far as, you know, his preparation and his play. But he gets hit a lot. And he gets back up, man. So, you know, that's a good that's a good sign for playing a team like this. Um, and Seattle's secondary, you know, they're depleted. They still got Earl Thomas back there, but they're depleted. So, I, I think that we can we can win this game for sure. We just we really got to come out with our A game. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the you look at the losses that we've had. I mean, three of the four losses we've had, the the other team was able to really establish the run and and establish mm-hmm. it early, um, and and just sort of wear us down. And I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but to, 
you know, to y'all's point, like, I just think that I think, I mean, the Seahawks are very good at rushing the passer. They're very good at disguising coverages and disguising blitzes and disguising their rushes. And I think, um, it will be a test for Bortles um, in his, you know, pre-snap reads in his ability to sort of dissect what's going on. Um, you know, dissecting different coverages, even basic coverages has been a weakness of his. And so um, I, I think, I, I think, I think the Seahawks have every capability of, you know, blowing the wheels off of us on Sunday. I don't think it happens. I think it is a close game and it's a one score game, but um, we'll see. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty okay with the wave if we go up a lot on the Seahawks. In fact, that'll be the greatest wave that I'll ever participate in, I think. I, I think this game's really important. I think if we, I don't even think it matters if we win big. I think if we win this game, it's going to feel different for the fan base. I think you'll see a lot more attendance because I still think the attendance is not great. I mean, I know that's going to get me a lot of crap uh, from the fans. And, and again, it's from the hardcore fans on Twitter. So I can see why people get offended on there, but I still think the attendance has been pretty weak, especially in the upper decks when you go to the game. So I think winning this game will get the national attention that a lot of fans have craved, but that'll also filter down to more people buying tickets. And, and hopefully if we get a, a home playoff game, it'll be completely sold out because just like you guys, I grew up around the team back in the nineties when we were awesome and the stadium was constantly packed and it would be a great feeling to see that again. Ryan, and what would you say is the biggest difference? And this is something we asked Alfie uh, as well when he was on the podcast. What's the difference for you in terms of covering the team uh, with Big Cat Country uh, losing team versus us winning now? Well, we have a lot more page clicks this year um, than we did in years past. I mean, yeah. and and it's it's I talk about this with Alfie on on a nearly weekly basis. I say because because he and I, I mean, he's been writing uh, for far longer. I think he's close to ten years. Um, doing it, you know, anywhere, I think eight or 10 years, I forget. I started in 2013. So I'm, I've been, this is fifth year for me. It's so much easier to write about a team that's winning and a team that's like fun to watch and a team that other people want to hear about than it is to wake up and say, okay, the team's three and 10. Like, what am I going to write about today? Um, and you can, you can pick out the gems. You can say, this player is performing well. This rookie is exceeding expectations, blah, blah, blah. But the point of the matter is, like, both Alfie and I work full-time jobs. So we have to work this around what we do normally. And both of us have kids. You know, both of us have wives and families. And so we have to sort of draw on just spare time, spare energy, um, spare brain power. And when a team's winning and it's fun, it's so much easier to do that. And it takes so much less, like... Uh, you know, trudging to uh, to actually do it. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things he shared that I thought was pretty funny, uh, we all thought was pretty funny, is that he would have people ask him why he hated the team. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and clearly after talking to him and, and then just especially following him on social media and his writing, it's that I never felt like he hated the team. It's just that, you know, I guess when you have fans out there who are really hardcore about the Jaguars, any kind of negative coverage is considered to be uh, hateful versus just, uh, you know, constructive. Um, so I, I'm sure that 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 lack and I don't know if you got the same amount that Alfie would get but the uh, I'm sure that that lack of uh, uh, vitriol is a little a little better feeling yeah I mean well, of course I've gotten it because you know Blake Bortles has been our quarterback for however many years and he's shown no signs of improvement so far so when you say we have a bad quarterback um, people are not going to be you know pe- people are going to be pretty negative about that um, the the difference is now Alfie and I have to 
eat quite a bit of crow because both of us said this team cannot, um, you know, get around having a bad quarterback. A rookie running back is not going to do that. This defense is good, but they're not that good. And so now we have to eat humble pie because the team's eight and four. We're going to the playoffs, um, whether it's on the road or at home, we're going to the playoffs. And I think Alfie and I would have laughed and we did. We laughed at people who said that we were doing that this year. We're excited. Uh, we enjoy uh, everything you put out there. We enjoy following your, again, your individual account as well as the Big Cat Country account. Um, if you guys don't already follow Ryan, which uh, would seem crazy if you listen to this podcast, but if you don't, uh, he is on Twitter at Ryan Eats Cake. And of course, everything he does is also on Big Cat Country at BigCatCountry.com. Uh, a lot of great content out there, great contributors. Um, and I think we're getting close to having every single person who contributes uh, on the podcast. So uh, so that's pretty exciting. But uh, Ryan, any final thoughts that uh, that you wanted to share about the game or just in general? No, man. I'm just I'm just so excited for the Jaguars to be playing meaningful football uh, in December. We wrote an article today, and it's on the front page where it it said, um, "Here's how the Jaguars can clinch the playoffs." Um, and it's you know obviously we beat the Seahawks, but these other four teams have to win. And, you know, firstly, not in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be writing that article this year. But it's just like it reminds me of 96 when at the end of the season, you know, in December. um, Now, obviously, we were you know a few games below what we are now. We weren't really in the driver's seat. But it reminds me of, you know, when I was a kid, you know, when I was when I was in middle school or high school and you'd have to start watching around the league. Um, and you were like suddenly a fan of the Green Bay Packers because they were playing the Miami Dolphins that week, or you were a fan of the Patriots because they were playing the Bills that week. Um, because those teams beating, you know, the teams that were also vying for your position, uh, uh, a win by them meant that you had a better chance. So it's just, for me, it's like, it's, it's something I've been waiting for for a long time. And I'm just super pumped that you know this late in the season we get to be watching meaningful football well ryan we appreciate it we'll uh, put everything in the podcast description that you guys have had up recently and uh thanks again for joining the podcast yeah man thank y'all Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.